Hello and welcome to Automators. My name is Rosemary Orchard and I'm here as always with my fellow co-host David Sparks. Hey David, how are you today? Great Rose, how are you today? I am great because, you know, we love talking about automating your technology and how fun it is and how nerdy we can get. And so we decided to ask a friend on the show, of course. And uh, welcome to the show, Alex Cox. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, friends. You are both, you know, some of my favorite people. And this is one of my favorite shows that has gotten me through this year. So thank you so much. That's our goal is we are here to solve the pandemic with nerdy automation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Someone's gotta. Exactly. Um, and actually, Alex, one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you on the show, David and I both wanted to get you on the show for different reasons, I think, uh, first of all, just because you're a nice person to talk to, but I remembered you telling me on multiple occasions that you love automating stuff, but you struggle with it sometimes. And I thought that, you know, that would be great to talk about because, you know, automation for me, came relatively easily, but it doesn't come easily for everybody. And uh, so it's great to talk to somebody who also experiences that from time to time and uh, to see what you still manage to accomplish because you have managed great things. Oh, totally. I, I think that's really interesting, the way you put that, because you're right. I have been automating what, what seems like, oh gosh, my entire life. Um, I'm 30 now. And like my first automation, I think, technically would be that I set up something um, just I think it was just a key binding to pull up a fake spreadsheet on uh, Mac OS 9, which actually became <laughs> a thing in Mac OS 10. So it would look to my parents like I was doing homework Last when month. I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I, I just had uh, like my own homework mode um, <laughs> so that I. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could say I was doing something cool, but really I was just like reading Harry Potter on a, a pirated, e, like open source e-reader or something. Um, but but it it's always been a case for me of if I do something more than once, I just want someone else or a machine to do it for me because the only um, limited resource uh, other than money for me for me has has always uh been my time and energy uh and but it's folks like you and david who are so so good at this that allows uh you know the the noobs like me or the the people who continue to to be uh <laughs> noobs despite doing this for so long uh because you share so many of your resources and they're so so helpful well, I really think that um, I'm just I'm about your level, Alex. Honestly, you know, Rose is what you're getting a master's in computer programming. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rose is like, so, yeah, you yeah, software engineering actually, yeah, but so, you know. So I mean, she's got a few tools at her disposal that I don't. Honestly, I I muddle my way through JavaScript and AppleScript. Mm -hmm. um, Xcode, I've made a couple apps in there, but Xcode is a thing where you've got to like do it every day to be any good at it, and I have other things to do. And but I do think that people kind of without the formalized education can take massive advantage of this. Number one, we've got all these cool tools available to us, like the stuff we talk about all the time, shortcuts and keyboard maestro and all these great tools. Um, but also just I, I think the trick to being an automator isn't being a professional software designer. It's it is having that radar to say, hey here's something I do every day that wastes my time, you know, that my brain is not engaged. I'm just doing manual work and I'm on a computer and computers are really good at doing stuff like this without humans. And, you know, 
how do I go on the journey of fixing that? And, and I think that's all it really takes. Once you get there, you are an automator. There's nothing you've already, you've already arrived. Now it's just a question of, you know, how far down the rabbit hole do you go? But I think just having that awareness is really all it takes. Yeah. Someone once said to me, and then I heard it repeated, I think, to Mike Hurley. Maybe maybe it was one of you. It's like, sure, you're not a programmer, but you're an automator because it's kind of like someone has given me a bunch of Lego and Tinker Toy and then uh, Mega Blocks. And so there's all these different tools that don't necessarily play together perfectly but if you build it the right way you can make some sort of machine to help you do your work is kind of how i try to think about it yeah and then like in this analogy user interface scripting is literally the duct tape that you can just (laughs) basically attach anything yep (laughs) and but but I, i agree and and i think that's that's all it all you need if you're listening to this show and you want to become a better automator. You want to get it at automation. Look at you are already in the very, very, very small percentage of people that are aware of this problem and the ability to get it out of your life. And what Alex said earlier was absolutely true. I mean, I always like put myself in the shoes of Bill Gates, right? Bill Gates has enough money to do anything he wants. What he doesn't have is extra time. All the money in the world doesn't give you 26 hours in a day. You know, you still have 24. And it just comes down to how you use them. And with automation, you can use a little less of it on menial work. For sure. Okay. That being said, um, tell us a little bit. So you said you made a, a key binding as your first. How did you, I mean, key binding is your first automation. That's, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty ballsy, man. Well, that's the thing is it was because there weren't as many tools that were accessible in goodness. What was this? 2001. And, uh, no, who knows? Time's an illusion. It could be 2020 or 2038. That's someone's listening to this. Um, but it was shows like, um, Mac power users. And I think even before that, uh, what was it? Mac OS Ken or or something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so every once in a while, someone would mention just a cool thing that was happening, right? And and then I would do a deep dive of like, okay, how does this actually work? Um, And then after discovering Brett Brett Terpstra, (laughs) one day I'll get his name right, discovering his work, and of course, um, our mutual friend, Merlin Mann, it, it was kind of the thing of like, there okay there are more blocks to build with but also now there's a lot more duct tapes that i can actually see what i'm putting together um and my main duct tape right now is shortcuts and the app drafts which i'm I'm sure we're going to get into Mm -hmm. but so much of the automation i use is literally just a cut and and paste and then you know finding that one, I, I wouldn't even know to call like the one variable that I need to, to change to make it work with my calendar or, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, no, yeah. that's totally true. And both of those tools have a ton of pre-made content where you don't have to, you know, invent the wheel for almost anything you want to do. Also, when I was 12, I had much more time on my hands, so I could really (laughs) take a long time not to figure something out necessarily, but at least make it work. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I was the same way. I mean, I was on an Atari ST computer. <laughs> Actually, I started on an Atari 400, which was the worst computer ever made. I'm pretty sure if you're listening <laughs> to this and you're old enough, it had a membrane keyboard. It wasn't an actual keyboard. It was a piece of plastic. <laughs> and you, oh, had wow. to, you had to just press against it really hard to engage the letter. <laughs> and then on the one I had, because it was like a hand-me-down, it sometimes didn't work. So I'd take a screwdriver and I'd press the key really hard with the screwdriver and that would do it. But then it would... um Sometimes instead of getting one T, it would get like six T's because I pressed the screwdriver too hard. And then I'd have to hit the delete key, which was also kind of broken. So it was. <laughs> so you experienced the butterfly keyboard before the butterfly keyboard yeah, was a exactly. thing, David. The, the butterfly keyboard is beautiful compared to this. I mean, but, the, uh, but, you know, I think that, but dealing with that stuff was like, well, I was doing kind of text expander before there was a text expander as a kid because I, I had a keyboard that barely worked. Um, but the, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, we all start in this process when we're kids and we have time and start goofing around with this stuff. But then as you get older, you really do see the benefits of it and it really does help you. And we didn't introduce you properly. I mean, you do video production, you're, you know, you're on a podcast much more popular than ours. Um, do oh. <laughs> <laughs> by Friday, which is just a great podcast, you and Merlin. And then like, you do, you're a very, um, busy lady and, uh, you got a lot of stuff going on in your life. And I think automation is probably almost necessary for you to keep up with everything. Yes. I, uh, you know, it, it, it could be argued how sane I am right, right now. Uh, but the only way I am able to sort of hold things together, not just hold things together. Um, I'm, I'm joking, but, but really so much of the automation in my life is sort of a way to just ease anxiety and to get through the decision fatigue just day to day, especially now as, you know, I am in Chicago and we're going back down uh, into into like a, a COVID lockdown and having systems in place where I just don't need to think is so, so great. And I mean, gosh, I am preaching to the choir, to, to the folks who are listening to this, but I actually would like to encourage folks to kind of look at all of their systems they have in place now, which I think in like our Apple communities, everyone kind of is doing, especially with like note taking. Uh, but I mean, we're in a different worlds right now. And I think every time there's a big milestone in your life, whether it's moving or having kids or spending your entire time in your apartment, um, being able to kind of rip off the duct tape and look at the structures you have in place and see if anything is hindering you rather than helping you is also really important because that's where I often get stuck in automation is when I've just used something for so long that I don't even know how it works anymore. So mm -hmm. uh, it's like, okay, I'm going to just keep on using this. It's, it, it's fine. It's fine. But then eventually it, it ends up being like, all right, me writing down my to-do list is way easier than, you know, transferring this um, JavaScript automation into the ver new version of OmniFocus. Or, and I don't know if it's the beta or if it's me or, you know what, I'm just going to write it down. So, yeah. Stuff like that. <laughs> No, it is. It can become a rabbit hole of its own. Um, 
Lately, I've been really interested in what I call contextual computing, where you know you use a combination of automation and smarts to to jump from an idea in your head, like I want to write a document or whatever, to actually writing the document and removing all those intermittent steps in the middle of finding the app, creating the file, doing all that. And automation helps with that. And the more I look into it, there's there's actually a school of science called cognitive computing. We had a guy on Mac Power Users, Luke Bedouin, um, recently to talk about it. Um, this is the this is the cognitive overload that we all face, and I think in a time of crisis like now, I mean, a lot of us are dealing with you know, you know, do we have jobs? You know, what's the, you know, there's all these things worried. You know, am I going to get sick? And uh, I feel like this. I know this sounds dramatic, but I feel like getting this stuff under control in your life, at least giving you some bit of control somewhere, it helps. For sure. And I know this is the less uh, hippy-dippy podcast, as you would say, David. <laughs> but uh, for automation, that's that's kind of been my... Uh, I don't want to say religion. That's weird. I don't know. Um, I, I like how you put it, con- contextual computing. Uh, I've been sort of thinking of something similar as uh, ambient computing because, you know, more and more we're just shouting things into the air, uh, in, in my case, to my beloved Siri ball, uh, and soon my mini Siri ball. Uh, and I I don't know, it's, it's one of those things of almost a GTD like system where I just want to get all of these things out of my head so that either a computer can deal with it right now, or a can, a computer can put it into a place where I can deal with it later. And I think that's what sort of, I, I mean, I, I don't want to be a downer because automation really is, uh, when, when I say it's what keeps me up at night, I mean that in the best way. Like it, it's that thing where it's like this tiny little problem that you can solve just makes you feel more control and empowered, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a hobby too, I think for all of us. It's like, oh, here's a little puzzle. You know, it's like, it's a jigsaw puzzle on a computer. It's like, how can I make the computer do this for me next time so I don't have to do it ever again? And that, that's always fun to solve. I think that's what gets Rose going, right? I mean, oh yeah, I definitely. I can't get over some of the cool automations Rose comes up with. And I'm sure it all starts out with, how can I, you know, what's a way I could solve this problem? Well, I mean, I also get myself into trouble with that. I recently <laughs> discovered my laptop wasn't charging on my sofa. And then I realized that the automation I'd set up to turn off the heater in my living room, which is connected to a smart plug, was working <laughs> perfectly. Only I plugged the heater into the wall and the extension lead into the smart outlet. Whoops. <laughs> oh. Uh oh! <laughs> so you know, you can, everybody can get themselves into trouble with this. It was a basic case of I plugged everything in. I just didn't plug everything in right. But you know, I got there, and now I have some super fancy going to bed automations, <laughs> which uh, work perfectly. And my laptop still gets charged overnight. Yeah, so. I'm going to tease that. That's a future show for us because Rose got her own place, and she keeps sending me pictures of home automation gear, and we are going to pull that apart. Maybe. Maybe in the next episode, I don't know, but soon I got to I got to get the story on this this house. Oh, it's it's good, David. Uh, Opening a window turns off the heater and stuff like that. So you know, like energy efficiency is involved. The whole the whole lot. It's great fun. It's going to be like Wonka like magic at the (laughs) Rose Orchard home. Rose, I think you and I are kind of right now living David's dream because I I know that you moved house 
<laughs> you say I love it every time you say it um and I also I don't live alone but my spouse is very patient with all of the nonsense that I put into place in my apartment and I I, I am kind of watching what you're doing and like okay how do I do what Rose is doing but not set things on fire because you know Christmas is coming up and I, I will be in my apartment during Christmas and oh wow the automations just the useless but beautiful light automations that are going on right now ah I love it and and like the seriously Rose you have inspired me in your work in terms of like your jobby job how you use automations there. I mean, you basically, I also have a similar job where a lot of it is like, quote, knowledge work, but I have to interact with humans, which really gets in the way of my day. But but (laughs) when I can convince my bosses to pay me to solve an automation puzzle, I'm like, yeah, that's nice. All right, cool. Yeah, I've I've been doing that literally at work this week. There there's a little automation puzzle that's come up and somebody said, "Can you just move this from here to here?" and I was like, "Can, can I resolve the problem, please?" because <laughs> the way it's solved is not very efficient and I would like it to be more efficient and easier to maintain. Mm-hmm. That that's mm-hmm. the keywords. If you you can put the words easier to maintain in there, then you can sell it nothing to anybody pretty much. Yes, yep, agreed. Yep. <laughs> yes. And uh well, I haven't set my house on fire yet, uh, but your spouse will be very pleased to know that there are lots of very spouse-friendly automations that I've built into things because my parents have been popping over and helping out with things and I've wanted things to work for people other than myself. So I've had to build everything with that in mind. (laughs) Alex, can you replace the switches in your place? I mean, I don't know if you're in an apartment or a house or whatever, but do you have the ability to change out the wall switches? No, and I know that you're a Lutron guy, but yeah, I, I, I'm just saying, as someone who has other humans in his life, that was the game changer for us, like mm-hmm. replacing the walls. Because when I had them on the Philips Hue bulbs, everybody universally in my house hated me because they would <laughs> turn on the switch and the light would not go on. And then I was angry because they'd turn off the switch and none of my automations would work. So uh, being able to to, to do the switches was a big change. I guess you can get the magnetic plates and put them over the top of them and then put... Yeah, that's what I've done in my place. I could have gone with the smart switches, but over here we don't have Lutrons. Um, we've got Lightwave, and and the the hub for that is 125 pounds, and then each light switch is another 55 pounds. So you're, you're looking at, you know, hundreds of pounds just to replace single light switches, and in places like the kitchen here, you need to have a qualified electrician come in and do stuff because water and electricity together could be considered a bad idea. So understandably, building regulations require that you have somebody who actually knows what they're doing play with that stuff. Yeah. So I've got a switch bot in my kitchen, which will press the light switch for me because <gasps> I just stuck it on top of the light switch and it literally physically presses the switch. It's got a little arm that comes out and goes, Dunk. I've got one of those on the way to turn on my uh, like espresso machine as well as one of my lamps that, uh, well, it's it's like a, <laughs> it's another Christmas light thing um, where I have a smart switch to turn it on, but you have to hit the button to turn the lights on. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, oh, I tried duct tape. D- duct taping is a part of my software, uh, like my, my automation life, as well as my literal, uh, you know, smart home life in that I could put fancy things over my light switches. Swipe, wow. <laughs> light switches but I just have duct tape over them. It, it looks fine. 
I've been using masking tape to test sensor placement, so I get exactly what you're talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Okay, how had I never heard of SwitchBot before? Well, the problem with SwitchBot, David, is it doesn't have HomeKit support. Uh, but if you buy the hub, which is, uh, it's a cute little cloud shape with rainbow lights in it. It's so pretty. Mm -hmm. um, and if you buy that, then it has shortcut support. Mm -hmm. So then you can either do something using uh, Pushcut Automation Server, or you can use HomeBridge, which is what I am playing with right now um, to, to sure. get that in. So my kitchen light is officially in there. Um, it's It was on Kickstarter. They even have like a curtain track thing. But unfortunately, that looks like it's not available yet in Europe, which is a shame. Because I would like to automate my curtains, but I was not interested in buying the specific curtain rails and everything from Aquara um, or Xiaomi, um, which... Uh, yeah, sell all of that stuff. But it's good fun. And uh, home automation is definitely something that uh, I have been spending a reasonable amount of time with. Let's put it that way. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by PDF Pin from our friends at Smile. Go to smilesoftware.com slash podcast and let them know you heard about it on The Automators. If you're searching for a powerful PDF editing tool for your Mac, iPad, or iPhone, look no further than PDF Pin. Whether you're on the road or at your desk, if you need advanced editing features or just want to sign and email back a contract, PDF Pin has got you covered. It's the ultimate tool for editing PDFs on the Mac, and it now includes even more powerful features like page label support on multiple formats of documents, and pro users can go a step further with the ability to add or edit page labels. These new features are in addition to the great features available in PDF Pin 12, including a magnifier window to zoom in on a document, customizable compression settings, and stationary with new paper colors and custom page designs. And you can check out the Smile blog for articles on how to take notes on the iPad using PDF Pin and the safety of PDF Pin editors. I've been using PDF Pen on my Mac for over a decade. I bought the application long before I was a podcaster, and I've come to rely upon it. I love the fact that PDF Pen has such a rich feature set, but isn't super expensive or requiring a subscription. It just gets the job done for me. As an attorney, I frequently need to redact documents, and PDF Pen has got that, along with Bates numbering and all the other obscure features lawyers use, and they just work solidly. If preview isn't cutting it for you, PDF Pin will. PDF Pin, PDF Pin Pro, and PDF Pin for iPad and iPhone all work together for seamless editing across devices when used with Dropbox or iCloud. Learn more about PDF Pin and PDF Pin Pro at smilesoftware.com slash podcast. Once again, that's smilesoftware.com slash podcast, and let them know you heard about it on The Automators. Our thanks to PDF Pin from Smile, for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Alex, earlier you said a word that piqued my interest, and that's, of course, drafts. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you're doing automation and drafts. Tell us what you're doing. I, I don't want to say everything because that makes it sound like I'm competent. Uh, but the what drafts is if folks don't know which i can't imagine if you've listened to the show um it's it, you know it's sold as where text starts um in an app, it's an app for ios and mac os but for me it's almost like its own tiny little operating system um and i mean 
drafts is where text absolutely starts for me um, everywhere and anywhere. So where I do um, work and meeting notes or show notes for podcasts or uh, perhaps writing (laughs) the manual for my home, which I do indeed have for when people used to have to like house it. Uh, But uh, it's it's also kind of the place where my brain starts. That that used to be uh, what OmniFocus was for me, and I still adore OmniFocus. But sort of everything and anything I put into drafts, I can put into somewhere else because of the wonderful drafts. Uh, what's it called? The drafts action uh, directory. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, has a bajillion, I believe, is the correct number of things that have been put there, uh, actions that have been put there by users so that, you know, there's something that can change something, not just into Markdown, but a specific weird form of Markdown and, you know, uh, turn everything from a uh, task paper template to an uh, OmniFocus template. And gosh, I'm just like opening my different (laughs) groups and workspaces on my Mac right now. One of my favorites is from, you know, your own Rosemary Orchards, uh, the the packing list that you did on your traveling episode. Oh, it's lifesaver. And right now, actually, I just started playing with this group of actions and workspace called Thought Asylum, which I kind of in, enjoy because that's sort of how how my brain feels at, at some points. And it's kind of an app within drafts. It's hard for me to explain, um, and I'll, I'll get the link for show notes, but it, it's sort of like, all right, we're going to remove another level of your thinking so that you can do all of that within drafts. But yeah, Thought Asylum also, they have this suite for drafts that they introduced in, I believe, at the end of September. But they also have uh, a ton of shortcuts. And if you want to make like the most of your experiences on mobile as well. And that's kind of what I am looking for is something that will work both always on my Mac and always on my iOS devices. And maybe, you know, Apple Silicon will make that easier. But right now, drafts is kind of the only thing that I can rely on to be on both operating systems and work the way I want it to. Yeah, I mean, getting drafts on both the Mac and iOS and iPad um, and having all that automation transfer over the way Greg did it makes the app it's like one of these things like one plus one equals like 12 because it's just so much more useful when you're switching between platforms and all that stuff just comes along for the ride. And I totally get what you mean for drafts, like as an automation platform. And we never really, I don't know if we ever really acknowledge that in the show because we talk about shortcuts. We talk about keyword maestro and Hazel and all these apps, but drafts itself is a platform for automation recently i i've been playing a lot with backlinks you know and using some of this software Mm -hmm. and there's a whole action group in drafts for backlinks that it's already there i mean Mm -hmm. if you just add double brackets around things in drafts you'll be able to see everything that links to your current draft with 
an action group that somebody already created. I mean, I, 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 I texted Greg, the, the developer draft saying, you should add backlink support. And he's like, it's already there. Somebody else yep. already did. It. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Another app I really like, Bear, ha- had it. And I, I also texted Greg. I'm like, hey, I'm trying to, you know, get on the train of trying new ways of taking notes, like Zettelkasta, blah, 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 fancy. Yeah. German word and Rome and all, all that stuff. And really, I can try all of that out in drafts now. And I I still don't exactly know how backlinks work. I, I just know that I put I, I put links in, put those brackets in, and then suddenly I have this directory of notes and I've built my own wiki, which is, is wild. Like baby me trying to build wikis. Oh, so hard in like 2001 when you had no programming experience. And yeah. now it is, uh, you, you do a, t- a couple clicks and, you know, you have a wiki for your cats. It's great. So, so what are some of the automations that you use in drafts? You know, what are, what are some of your actions? I have my, my favorite honestly is just sending, changing my show notes from Markdown to like a, a few small adjustments to get them into Simplecast, which is one, uh, the one of one of the uh, web apps I use for hosting podcasts because it there's one thing like a a, a dash means something different like it doesn't it's not multi markdown it's very very weird uh i wouldn't it's not that i would say don't use it but uh don't it's very difficult use libsyn or something else um and also just automatically there's an action that moves everything that hasn't been this is a super simple one but one that is (laughs) just wonderful uh moves everything from the past week that hasn't been tagged flagged um or put into oh yeah just just tagged or flagged that's still in the inbox and uh, archives it because i you know drafts is my in inbox now un- unlike um omnifocus sure and the it, it also works sort of in conjunction with shortcuts in day one in that i have you know a number of templates for um and I actually don't know how this works, but I have a template that sends something to day one and it might involve Zapier in that, but I'm not sure because again, there's duct tape over it, but I'm, I don't really know what's going on underneath there. I think your, this was built after you did the automators uh, episode about journaling because that's uh, an, another thing that I was never able to get into until something basically could journal for me. I could vomit the thoughts and then it would do its thing. Like put the date out and all I need to do is jot down a thought, tag it. And then it it, it is all pretty when I go and go back to like, look through my day one journal throughout the year. And I'm like, ah, this actually makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm guessing if you're doing it over the web, it's IFTTT because they have really good integration with day one and... So there's a single mm-hmm. action, but also uh, day one has a URL scheme. So um, uh, an easy way to, cause I yeah. do some drafts entries via day one and I don't send them to the internet. I just use their URL scheme and it just, you know, drops it right in. It even puts it in the, um, the appropriate journal. Cause I have like 10 of them. I have too many journals. Um, 
but so I have a draft where it takes the draft text and runs a URL scheme to send it into day one. Um, yeah, Keep I'd be writing curious. that down. Ooh. Yeah. Well, it's, I'll send it to you. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll maybe I'll do a post on it or something, but the, um, uh, it, it's not, it's not that hard to use it, but it, it is a much better platform to get quick text and then, then send it there. But I want to wind back a little bit. So the first one that you talked about was sound like a text modification script. You've mm-hmm. got text and you're changing it. What, how is it, you know, cause we're automators. we got to know what, how are you doing that? What's the uh, action doing? Uh, it finds all the stars and brackets. It, it is essentially a find and replace. Um, and you know how the uh, the one like forever bug in Markdown, where if you do a Wikipedia link where anything is parenthesized, it's just, uh, sometimes it'll work, sometimes it doesn't. It looks for those two, and um, any also anything that uh, in the like. The markdown links, um, if it's it finds Amazon colon space and just gets rid of that. Uh, And then in order to send how I'm opening drafts right now to figure out how I send it to Simplecast. Um, Oh, yeah, that just ends up being a Zapier automation, actually, Um, to get it into Simplecast. It creates it's it creates a draft of an episode and then Merlin Man goes in there and uploads an episode, which I wish we could automate that. We've been trying for for so long, um, and which you can. I finally found out. Um, or I found a good sh- um, shortcut, as in iOS shortcut, to upload an episode to Overcast to listen to it. But haven't found a way to uh, automate an upload of an episode to Simplecast without having to go into the web interface and uh, poke some buttons, which I'm, I'm not a fan of clicking buttons anymore. Yeah. Well, I, I, I just want to just take a minute though, to acknowledge this first thing you did though, with the text modification, because I think that's something a lot of people run into all the time. And it's not necessarily the parentheses and the wiki link that you're dealing with, but everybody has this thing where you write text and something has to change, or you have like you routinely import text. Like a lot of times you bring text in from a spreadsheet or a website and you've got to make these changes to it. And there are apps out there like text soap that can help you. But if it's a very particular kind of modification, um, doing it in drafts makes a lot of sense. And I, I'm guessing it took you a while to kind of tune that to get exactly what you wanted in terms of removing parentheses and removing the Amazon colon. It didn't work the first time, right? Yeah. I mean, actually now it only breaks. And by break, a break, I mean, I have to just go in and uh, adjust one or two links or something like that um, every like three months or so. But I'd say it, it took like a couple weeks of tuning it exactly to like our show notes needs. Um, and I actually have another action for d- different show notes, not for posting, just for formatting them in the way that my co-host and I like. And yeah, I mean, that's t- totally taken from um, like, I guess the reverse. I tried to re- like reverse text expander it. Um, yeah. And drafts, I mean, drafts just having such a simple way to reorganize blocks of text is, I I, I mean, I know it's not really automation, 
But trying to do that in another, any other app is just, you know, 20 minutes of Googling until you can figure it out Mm -hmm. that is buried in, in some setting. I mean, any, I think the more visible an automation is initially, the smaller the barrier to entry is. Because once you figure out you can do one thing, it's like, oh, my, my, my. Well, if I can make this easier, how can I shave off another 20 minutes of show note prep or something like that? Yeah, I, I feel like the gateway drug for duress for a lot of people, if you're listening, you haven't used it, is the insert text action. So if you have anything you do, let's say you go to a meeting every Monday and you want to just open a draft and have it put all the template in for your meeting. You just do that once and you save it as an insert text action and you can download any of many from the drafts action directory or, or this is one you create yourself. And then once you've created it, that's all you do. It, it, there's no magic JavaScript programming going on. It's just dropping text into your draft for you so you can have a starting point. You know, you can have like going to the meeting example because I have one like that. It puts the date and time. It puts the people who are in attendance because it's always the same people for my meetings at the bottom, it has an action list. And you, know, you can just like go in and just set the template around it. And anybody can do this. Anybody listening to this, it's so easy. And then once you have that one, then suddenly you have an excuse to make so many more. Like I've been mm-hmm. playing a lot lately with this Mac app called Obsidian, which is kind of like, you know, getting to that Zettelcast and thing. It's, it's a kind of a app that really focuses on that, but they don't have an iOS app. So I took all, but it works in Markdown. So I, I took all of my templates out of the Obsidian and added them to drafts as, as an action list where it's just insert text. So I can write anything for Obsidian on my iPhone using drafts. And like, there's so many uses for this stuff. And that's the most basic, easy automation. I mean, what you just said blew my mind because my one thing about not trying Obsidian was the the fact that it wasn't on iOS. Um, because when you get down to it, my phone is truly my main computer, actually. So, but... Oh, I think I'm getting more out of this episode than anybody else right now. <laughs> well, if you, because, if you want to go down that rabbit gosh. hole, uh, Obsidian is just Markdown file. So you put it, it on yeah, Dropbox. Yeah. And if and you I have don't one. Know why I didn't put that together. Like, of yeah. course, that's awesome. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, I hope that this team gets. Oh, I, I wish I could give them money. Can I give them money, David? Yeah, you, you, can. you can. Oh, go good. Get... If I you can give finally... them money, you get into the insider build. So you get a, ahead of the, you know, the rest of the proletariat. It's very exciting. Um, but AKA the uh, I get to bug the developers yeah, before <laughs> very small team, so they they like being bugged. But the um, but it, I guess to go down that rabbit hole, I put it on Dropbox, and I can actually access the whole database with one writer on an iPhone or iPad. But I actually create all the notes in drafts because drafts has this great you know plug-in style automation. So anything I'm writing new, I write in draft. If I need to access an existing one, I just go to one writer. But that's not why we're here today. You got any more drafts magic you can share with us? What? Um, I mean, they're all very boring. And you have sort of made uh, all of them. Uh, yeah, you can find them all in the automator show notes. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, the... Um, one thing I actually just realized is I share a bunch of meeting note templates with 
folks and they uh, they download drafts. Oh, this free application and they share it. Uh, I just share this with them. And then they actually, you know, we now have universal meeting notes that look the same in Google Docs every time. And I'm oh, like, wow. oh, That's my smart. gosh. Yeah, it's 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 been amazing. Yes. Um, I also have, you know, really mm-hmm. simple, like single action action items like um, searching for or I have a group of just different search engines uh, Wolfram Alpha, DuckDuckGo, Google, and and a whole bunch of stuff that I um I, I actually should ask you if there's a action to I think there's a shortcut to turn on your VPN. But what I would love is if if there was an action to like turn on a VPN before I go into Google or some other search engine that I don't know is secure but I need to use. That's one of the things I love. Uh, someone made a something that I don't use uh, personally, but for other work social media accounts is the um, the tweet storm action, which kind of just formats your tweets in a way that you, you you know how they're like the tweet thread is is going to be seen. Um, the and and these are all like the most basic like this is what I use every single day. Uh, and then the, the thing that got me hooked on drafts actually was, I think one that is now pre-installed the, that just is marked. It's just a straight up markdown keyboard. Um, and then it also has an action to see your stats. So, and by stats, I just mean, you know, like the word count, paragraph count, stuff like that. And it has a way to, in, instead of saying like, oh, in, insert um, a dash bracket bracket, it's just task. So then suddenly I have this great markdown or test paper list that I can uh, do anything with. Or, you know, put it into Obsidian, which I have now downloaded and I'm super psyched to try. Um, and even things like send to bear, uh, the oh send to Dropbox with link, which I think Rose, you made this for me. Um, it's to it's it's just a it's in one of my workspaces in drafts. I have uh, a, a bunch of images that I need to reference all the time for work, but they need to live in Dropbox, and it's it, it's so much easier easier to hand my phone to somebody with a, a list of of uh, just a, a list of images basically and then they click that one and then it opens the drafts app with the exact image that they need to look at so it doesn't require them you know scrolling through my photo library or getting immediately to the right mm-hmm. folder in drafts because we all know how fun the draft or i'm sorry all how fun the dropbox app is on ios and it's Oh yeah, I, I don't know. It's li- which that's not one I've been using lately, but it, it it's like a lifesaver at at events um, because I I well did often work in live events and you know having your entire like work and life reference library in a single app and being able to manipulate it has it, it's just one of those things that relieves a tiny grain of sand from my life and the more grains that you take away, uh, it's it just gets better and better. Um, and then there's a whole, mm, 
have a workspace called re <laughs> rejected tweets that um it, with a certain number of tags it, it like uh won't let me how how did i even do this um basically if it has a certain tag it goes into a it goes into my archive where um and if i open it the action to tweet it has gone like in the you know the the basic actions i have tweet with the twitter app tweet with tweetbot um but that one does not allow me to tweet if it has too many swear words or something that will get me in trouble <laughs> So you've basically built your own personal filtering system. So instead of having to have somebody sit there and go, don't do that, it, it does it for you. I can yeah, think of some other people yeah. who might need this. I, I, well, I know anyway. people who do something similar in day one where they just have a, uh, like one of their journals is just called fake Twitter. <laughs> and I'm like, I should probably do that and just put all of my bad, one of my tags is bad takes. And that just goes away and is deleted after a week. <laughs> Yeah, as a, as a lawyer, occasionally some other lawyer will do some numbskull thing and I get angry and I always write emails in drafts and I'll read the draft. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to sleep on this one before I send this one off to email. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and quite often I wake up the next day. I'm like, oh, I need to rewrite this. This is not this is not me. <laughs> this is a crazy person. Um, yep. The uh, one of the things about drafts that I would and it's not on the developer, it's really on Apple, but you know, because we're talking about all these text things we make. Like I, like Alex, I open drafts constantly. Every time I have a phone call of any substance with a client, I take notes and drafts and I save all these little markdown files. So I've got records. And the problem is you have two choices. You either save it to Dropbox and Dropbox is its own kind of like hive of villainy, right? Um, but you also, or you can save it to iCloud, but iCloud only will save it to the drafts folder. Right? Mm -hmm. because of the mm -hmm. iCloud system. They won't let you save outside of the app folder. And I, I guess this is a security measure that Apple has, but man, it makes me crazy. And I've got all these Hazel rules back on my Mac that do nothing all day but sort out iCloud folders and move files for me. And um, I, I don't really know what the answer to it is. I guess if you, you could just use Dropbox and then you would have more granular access or you have to deal with this second step. How, how do you deal with that, Rose? Well, I pretty much just throw things in Dropbox because I ended up paying for Dropbox anyway because, yeah. you know, we use it to to share podcasting stuff backwards and forwards. And I use it with, you know, Scotty at Nested Folders and a bunch of other people. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go all in on Dropbox. So I paid and I've got the plan and I was like, you know, what, I'm just going to use this. Um, that said, I recently got uh, two home security cameras um, because there was a noise while I was podcasting and I couldn't easily check it out. And I was like, I, if if I had cameras, I could check this out while I was podcasting without getting up and moving. So that was a good idea. But I now have two terabytes of iCloud storage <laughs> space as well as two terabytes of Dropbox space. So I, I, I may need to rethink that plan. Uh, that said, I don't think Dropbox do a smaller yeah. tier. So, you know, I'll see what happens there. Um, but, um, you know, I pretty much just put things in Dropbox because it's easier. And also Dropbox is available to Zapier um, and Integromet and Honestly, iCloud Drive is great, but it's not available to either of those services. So that means I can't automatically have stuff saved into it from online services, which are doing things like creating documents for me or folders for stuff and things like that. So I pretty much just decided that I'm in on Dropbox. This episode of Automators is brought to you by The IntraZone by Microsoft SharePoint. I love finding new podcasts to listen to. It's great finding those wonderful new co-hosts and people being interviewed, and that leads you down a whole rabbit hole of even more great new podcasts to listen to. 
If you're looking for a new show to listen to, The Intro Zone is a bi-weekly podcast with conversations and interviews on how Microsoft SharePoint, OneDrive and related tech can work for you. You'll hear from guest experts behind the scenes and out in the field, so you can see how SharePoint fits into your everyday work life and easily share and manage content, knowledge and applications with these tools. Each show covers a bunch of segments like news and announcements, a focus topic of the week, guest perspective, FAQs of the week and upcoming events. And just so you have an idea of what to expect, I want to tell you about some of the topics you might be interested in that were on previous episodes. They've discussed working from home, which I know is relevant to quite a few of our listeners. Also, figuring out an intelligent intranet in your organization. Oh, and they did an episode on talking about APIs and teamwork too, which you should give a try. I recently listened to the Makers Make Magic episode, and it was really interesting finding out how these people use lists and data storage, and it gave me quite a few ideas of how I can use that in my own personal automations. Go and listen to it now. Just search for The Intrazone wherever you get your podcasts. That's I-N-T-R-A-Z-O-N-E. Or just click the link in the show notes. Go check it out. Our thanks to The Intrazone by Microsoft SharePoint for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Okay, Alex, so we've talked about drafts, but you mentioned one of my other key loves, which is shortcuts. How are you using shortcuts? How many shortcuts do you have? Let's start with that one. Oh, I I really pruned. Right now I have 194, and which I know is like nothing. Well, <laughs> I shouldn't say it, it, it's like nothing, but uh, recently I made the mistake of updating um my my phone my new my new phone my lovely iphone 12 with the you know sides that are <laughs> squared off instead of being a soap phone um without realizing that my old phone was already on the developer ios 14.2 beta so i lost a large number of shortcuts and i was like mm, you know what let me just Whoops. do this kind of the way people set up a new computer or a new uh a- any new device and add them as I need them because I had all my uh, one of my favorite shortcuts is one to back up all of my shortcuts. And uh, wow, like the amount that I have it is pretty small, but then it becomes staggering when I look at all of my folders, which I mean, I never really had a need for folders until the new widget came to iOS 14. So being able to run shortcuts from my home screen has been absolutely wild. So the the thing that really got me into shortcuts um, was health stuff, actually, once Apple acquired workflow shortcuts, you know, formerly workflow, because I never wanted to get into it because I really thought, oh, there's no way Apple is going to continue to allow this. Like there, there's no way Apple's going to continue to let me log all of my health data and stuff that, you know, Apple thinks that, that it's data that they shouldn't have, but it's data that I want to have. Um, but but now, uh, you know, I have a widget just completely dedicated to health stuff. Um, and, and a lot of it is really, again, easy, simple, single actions, like working with um, one of my favorite apps, Waterminder, which keeps me incredibly, incredibly high hydrated throughout the day. So I just have little buttons that I hit each time I have finished a glass of water or, or in today's case, three cans of Red Bull. 
Um, and there's a, (laughs) it's, it's, yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, there's, there's another one that I, um, I, I will definitely get for show notes and it's a COVID tracking shortcut, which is not, it's not depressing actually. like the, the data that it provides brings me, um, a lot of comfort as well as, um, I, I use an app, uh, zero for fasting, uh, and I, I just realized as I'm talking about this, that so many of the shortcuts I've b- built myself are single actions from apps that developers have made. Um, obviously, <laughs> what ghosts made instead of developers. <laughs> what what I mean is, um, like, I used to have all of these time tracking shortcuts that were built from, um, Z- I think, Zapier actions in with Toggle. Uh, and then eventually I'm like, okay, this is really expensive to t- like time how time out how long I'm doing a podcast recording because Zapier is like absolutely worth it if you're using it. But I was using it for like a single thing. Um, but now my uh, the time tracking app I use Timery has not only created their own widget, but a, it has a bunch of shortcuts that just I can create to stop and start timers so that I don't even need to open the app and what I feel like I used to use shortcuts for was to uh, not fight against apps, but replace something that an app couldn't do. Whereas now it feels very much in tandem where, where that kind of, there are still some things that are a bit, you know, hobbled together and don't really use apps. Like, uh, like the thing the shortcut I use to upload to Overcast, I have no idea how it works. And I also don't know who made it. So if this thing breaks, I am going to be bothering you. I'm going to be bothering, you know, Matthew Casanelli, Vitici, anyone who's ever done an advanced shortcut, like, please use this thing. Uh, help help me fix this thing I use every day. Um Honestly, the shortcut I am most proud of making was a calculate tip, uh, <laughs> which I know there are many, many templates for this, but I'm like, okay, if I am going to sort of understand variables and understand how numbers work in the shortcuts app, like at least let me do this. So something that I'm sure took Rose would take Rose uh, like 30 seconds to build took me a couple hours. But I learned so much about how the app works um, and more importantly, what breaks shortcuts. Um, and man, I especially with, I think, iOS 14, so much more is visible. Um, and with the new uh, gallery that they have um, and even in the have either of you used the the tips app in iOS? Yes. Yes, I have. It's it's also an app that I use for about a day and then uninstall every time that there's a new iOS version out because it starts to annoy me. But I can see why it's useful. Yeah. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. It's that's the thing. It's it's tip. It's not. It, it absolutely is not useful for for even somebody like me. But going through that tips app, I always I always want to know like what are people seeing first, right? And like p- people who are picking up their first iPhone and learning stuff. And I noticed, oh, shortcuts is a big part of that. And it immediately takes the apps that you already have on your phone and will be like, hey, you know, you can create, um, you can make this thing to show your 
P inbox in mail and then start a new draft to this specific person in your VIP inbox. And I just thought that was really, really exciting that you don't have to do anything. And already drafts are being, or I'm sorry, shortcuts are being suggested Mm -hmm. to you. And I think um, other than, I mean, really health and uh, time tracking are my biggest shortcuts that I use every single day. I used to use a lot more because they, um, you know, like calendar events um, or inaction was just uh, take me to next event. And that that uh, puts me, you know, takes the calendar event, puts the address into maps and then also text the uh, people or emails the people who are on the calendar invite and gives my approximate arrival time, which uh, because (laughs) I, I used to be very late to a lot of things, which was just the nature of my job. I got a change video speed shortcut in here, which I don't suggest people use, but sometimes people talk really, really slowly on YouTube videos. Or if you're watching a David Sparks field guide, which is amazing, but you just want to go through the parts that you already know to get to the updated parts about shortcuts, maybe you speed up that, that video a little bit. I, I think a lot <laughs> of people speed up my voice. I, 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 every time I meet a listener, they're like, wow, I didn't realize what you sound like at one X. <laughs> and then they usually say that when they listen to me at one X, I sound like I'm high all the time. And I am from California. Yeah but I yep, am not high. Yep. I'm just a slow thinker. Sorry, guys. <laughs> for, for me, it's very confusing because I, I, I listened, obviously, to my periuses and focused. And so I'm I'm used to listening to you. I think it's around 1.5 speed. That's what Overcast is set to by default for me. And then, and then we're talking and I'm there going, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're talking. Like, this is why David sounds is like David. Is he ever going to finish the sentence? Yeah. That's what you're thinking. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so boy. Good. Yeah. I... I do you want to give two uh, sh- shout outs to m- my c- current favorite shortcut uh, or apps that work in tandem with shortcuts, um, which is Charty and Data Jar? Because, I mean, the w- what Charty does in terms of like, you know, taking your data and sort of helping you make sense of it, l- like I was noting before with the COVID tracking uh, shortcut as well as um, a shortcut called OmniFocus Day that our friend Scotty Jackson made is just, I I don't know, drafts and, uh, or I'm sorry, data just comforts me for some reason. And I think a a lot of nerds have that as as well. Um, And I really like Data Jar as sort of kind of um, similar to drafts, a repository of information that shortcuts can just pull from. Like when I am um, recently, I've actually been tracking the amount of caffeine I've been having. And for for a bunch of boring reasons, I, I keep that outside of Waterminder. And in Data Jar, I'm just able to keep the certain amounts of caffeine I have and then shortcuts, you know, gives me an option of like, which caffeine amount did did you consume? And then it it creates a little chart from that out of data jars in information. Like, I, it's it's wild. Also, I did not build that one either. But 
I'm starting to really wrap my head around the things that I can do with data jar to for for myself. Um, for example, I'm creating a shortcut that uh, tells me what I'm going to wear every day because I have a very limited, but by choice, I have a very limited wardrobe. Um, and I kind of like to trick people into thinking that I dress like a normal person. So it'll be like, yes, the t-shirt you wear every day, pair it with this button up shirt you have. And if like if this button up shirt, then that pair of jeans, because I know that navy and black aren't supposed to go together, but my, my brain doesn't want to think about that in the morning. Just like how at night, I don't want to think about what I should have to binge watch because my brain is so fried. So I have a shortcut that just pulls from a list of movies and TVs, I, uh, movies um, or TV shows I want to watch, and then it will pick something random, and I watch that. Um, okay, and, and Alex, I, I just got to interrupt there. You are such a geek. I, I know. so much. <laughs> it, this is great. I really need to do something with my wardrobe, because I realized that over the last three weeks, I've worn the same pair of jeans. Um, I've got, like, two pairs of jeans and three dresses, and that's what I've cycled through. Like, everything's been clean and laundered regularly, but I've not touched the rest of my wardrobe, and I really ought to fix that, so. You know, it's funny how all three of us are like, how do we find ways to not think about what we wear? For me, I just go to REI and I buy everything in the same line. And every day I just grab a shirt and a pair of pants and they match. You know, mm -hmm. I don't even think about it. The thing is, unfortunately, David, I bet no. Well, one, you I, you are a very snappy dresser. Uh, but yeah, but right. two, like, we, <laughs> I, but, but when I've seen you, it is all very like similar clothing. And then... You, people don't really notice that um, with uh, women or non-binary people. It, it becomes like, you're like, hmm, you've worn that dress to every wedding you've been to yeah, the no, past two harder. years. It's way harder for you guys. I agree. And Well, that's but And I, I mean, I hate to pull the like, oh, women, good card. But but also it's um, I, I've passed this along actually to my friends who are really into jewelry and watches because it's it's also a way to, um, I, I, I don't know, it comes up with interesting combinations you might not have thought of. And it, this was actually inspired by the movie uh, Clueless, where the main char character has this like high tech <laughs> closet where she can just push buttons and then it pulls out the outfit she wants. And I'm like, yeah, that that is what I want. Even so, if so how does it work, though? The, the shortcut, is it what running a random number generator against a, a list or what? what is it doing? This one? Yes. And this one is uh, I add it. It pull my. <laughs> My pants are just pulled from a random li list that I put in a text field in uh, shortcuts, but I'm trying to make it so that my I have it pulls from data jar so that I can have a store of uh, is that what Clothing. it's called? Mm, yeah, like but but like, yes, yes. Um, for <laughs> I mean, get it all the way down to underwear. Like, all right. Um, and also, I want I want a way to um automate laundry which i know rose has been doing some push cuts stuff with that mm -hmm. um so that i can push a you know when i say something uh, i i want an omni focus action of like okay laundry is complete and then it adds back the clothing that is clean back into that rotation so that's kind of what i've been fiddling with in my um well 
I would never commit time theft for my jobby job, but you know, part of my job is to look presentable on Zoom calls. And um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can see from my waist up. So, uh, and, and the other one is is just a random list. And I think uh, Matthew Casanelli taught me how to make those from actually a uh, a shortcut he made that was pull a random episode of The Office. F- up for me um, because he had watched The Office so many times. And so now I have the same thing with The Simpsons, but unfortunately there's nothing you can do to have, like, I, gosh, I wish that Apple or TVOS or whatever it's called would get its stuff together and work with shortcuts more because I want to push a button and then just have what I'm watching pop up on the screen. Mm -hmm. Like, yep, all right. Soak over me, sideshow Bob. Let's just let's just g- get into this and then fall asleep. I think you need to hand off that that clothing script to Rose yeah. and then come back in a month and it'll be like amazing. Oh yeah, it's gonna be like, all right, which size socks do you want? <laughs> like, <it's... laughs> well, I mean, I I would certainly be interested in playing more with that. Um, but um, and uh, the other thing is, is I've been experimenting a little bit with an app called Stylebook, which, you know, can tell you, you know, you take a photo of your outfit every day and you put all the different pieces of your wardrobe in there with photos and stuff. But it doesn't really have the automation um, side of things, which is a real shame. And I would, you know, I'd love to see some more fun, nerdy stuff out of that because there's so many possibilities. Oh, yeah, for for sure. I, I mean, and the one I will probably be asking you this, but some of the if actions uh i i mess up <laughs> not not because they are broken but be not because the shortcut is broken but because i'm like well those clothes don't match after i put them on <laughs> and my spouse is like mm, you sure you want to wear that today so uh, it's i i look to people who are more fashion conscious like yourself <laughs> to help me build that out uh, well, there, there's so much that you can do with this stuff and it, it's all i mean at the end of the day providing you are enjoying the automation when you create it or the result genuinely saves you time or makes your life easier in a way by removing decisions that you might need to make so that you can avoid decision fatigue, then I think it's a win. Yeah. And and it's interesting because she made one for clothing first, but then my guess is once you made it, you're like, Oh yeah, I could also apply this to media and you probably Mm -hmm. use a lot of the same tools. I have a, I have a little tip for the media. Uh, which is to explore Plex because Plex has webhooks. So you can oh, do fancy stuff with that. Oh. And I love the fact that I can pick, like I can use my phone, the Plex app on my phone as basically a remote for my television and then say, hey, play this thing. And so with the addition of a couple of shortcuts, which are, um, I've, I've got a shortcut, which literally just uh, turns on my Apple TV and uh, tells it to uh, open the Plex app. And then it opens the Plex app on my phone so I can pick something and then it just goes over. And that is beautiful. Um, And it works. And it's also fairly other people friendly if you have, you know, other people in your household, which I know both of you do. See, I think this is like a Casey lists conspiracy to finally get me to set up or even just use uh, (laughs) other people's Plex libraries because... 
yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, I just haven't. Uh, that that's a lie. It's not that I haven't had the time. It's one of those things that it, it was like de- decision fatigue. I'm like, well, what do I want to put in my Plex library? Blah blah blah. Everything blah. that you have as a media file. So in my case, I copied yeah. all of my things from DVDs a very long time ago. I still got the DVD stack floating around somewhere in my parents' house. Shh, don't tell them. They don't need to know <laughs> that it's there. Um, but well, I don't have space for it. Um, uh, so, exactly. Um, so I I have have all of this stuff so I've got like the entire season of friends like all of it and stuff like that and um it's for me it's great because it's just all there um and then I've just you know click a thing and it it shows up and it shows me all the things and it tracks what I've watched with tracked.tv as well t-r-a-k-t.tv so I actually know what I've watched so theoretically I could even hook into that and see you know what have I already watched or what it what did I watch recently so that I don't end up you know watching the same thing two days in a row because that's what the random number generator picked because of course true random means that you could have the same thing two times in a row i'm with you alex i haven't bought i i had plex installed years ago and then i just uninstalled i don't i don't watch enough tv to justify all that investment of setting it up you know i just have my running on a raspberry pi with an eight terabyte drive plugged into it and it's just sitting here oh. on the side of my desk and uh it, it it's basically silent. Now, the trick if you're going to use the Raspberry Pi is you don't want your media to need re-encoding. Because if it needs re-encoding, then you need a much more powerful machine. But all of my stuff, when I ripped it, I, I formatted it so that I could play it. Like I, It was originally in iTunes um, so that I could use iTunes um, home sharing, I think it was called back in the day. Um, yeah, where yeah. you you would have your Mac on and then you could play it on the Apple TV or your iPad or something. Um, and then after for a while, I switched over to Infuse and just shared the drive on my network, which worked pretty mm-hmm. well. And then I decided that actually I wanted it to be available outside of my network and for my parents to also be able to access it. So I switched over to Plex. That's actually really interesting to use a, a Raspberry Pi because I I have a very I have a very old TV so I I have like ripped a bunch of Blu-rays but I don't need them at a super high quality and I have a ton of files that were ripped from DVDs from hand handbrake and I had some I think I had an Apple script it's it's lost to time uh but it it would you know rip things from handbrake and then put it into iTunes and then form what was it called like front row which yes. was like the little movie theater in your Mac uh and that's such a good idea because it's definitely on in like an archived media drive somewhere I I just don't want a synology it's right now I just I don't want another box in my life well, my parents have a Synology, which uh, has a couple of things that I copied onto their uh, Synology for them so that they didn't have to stream my stuff over the internet. Um, and that works pretty well. But yeah, if you don't want another box in your life, then uh, Raspberry Pi is not a bad way to play with it. And they're fairly cheap as well, though. I say that as the person who, of course, got the version with 16 gigabytes of RAM because it's also running Homebridge, Pi Hall, and a couple of other nifty little utilities. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by ExpressVPN. High-speed, secure, and anonymous VPN services. Get an extra three months for free by going to expressvpn.com automators. Have you ever wondered why internet access is so much cheaper these days, like 30 to 40 bucks a month? It's because some of the big internet service providers aren't just making money off your subscription fees. They're also making money from spying on your internet activities and selling your library history and data to big tech companies. So what's the best way to make sure that 100% of your data is encrypted and that your internet provider can't get a hold of it? Yep, 
ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN creates a secure tunnel between all of your devices and the internet so that everything you do online is encrypted. It reroutes your connection through a secure server. This blocks your internet provider from seeing everything that you do online. All they can see is that you're connected to an ExpressVPN server, but nothing beyond that. And it's not just for your phone or computer. ExpressVPN works on all of your devices. It works on your tablets, smart TVs, even your router, so your entire family can always stay protected. I can't stress this enough. ExpressVPN is so simple to use. You just open the app, tap one button to connect, and that's it. I've been using ExpressVPN for years. I keep it turned on. I just don't even think about it. To turn it on, you open the app and press the button, and that's all there is to it. I don't notice any lag in internet performance. My devices work just as they did before, but I'm secure and not sharing my data with the world. Security is important these days, and I think everyone should have a VPN service, and ExpressVPN is the service that I trust. Your data is your business. Protect it at expressvpn.com automators. Visit expressvpn.com automators to get three extra months of ExpressVPN protection for free. That's expressvpn.com slash automators to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for the support of the automators and all of RelayFM. Before the break, Rose, you had said that you were using your Raspberry Pi for a whole lot of stuff, including HomeKit. Um, uh, Alex, have you ever gone down that rabbit hole? I've just started to, well, I should say I've been living down the rabbit hole, but now I'm kind of crawling out with things that are actually useful and work yes. because I, I mean, my two favorite robots in my home, or, or rather once I, the things I've made into robots are, uh, my, my humidifier and my air, air filter. Um, and I know that's way more important to folks like yourself in in California. Um, I, unfortunately, because of the air quality, so many interesting automation scripts have come out of that, which it really sucks. But wildfires, source of automation. (laughs) But, um, you know, I've I've been, um, I think using, I actually couldn't even say what I was using, probably scriptable just to, uh, sort of archive um, and chart the air quality. But I I was like, okay, there aren't many appliances in my home that are actually HomeKit compatible or l- let alone any sort of, you know, smart device. But by using something like um, Wemo, which I think is HomeKit compatible, just saying like, okay, Siri ball, turn. It's okay, Siri ball, it's, okay, make the air better so the then the <clears throat> the humidifier and the air filter come on and it it's it's just beautiful but then i'm like all right what if i can do all of that so that the air is actually humid it is cleaning out the the cat allergens but then uh my my lovely roomba is also c- cleaning at the same time and sure you can set your roomba to start cleaning at a certain time, but I just want to use that ambient computing and just say, say what I want and then have everything in my house start to clean. And I'm, I'm not there yet because I tried to get some things, um, 
to start my dishwasher and to start my laundry machines. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, there are dials involved and, and oh. whatnot. So I've been using um, in order to like track when something starts and when something ends. So I get an alert, not a not a cool push cut alert that I'm sure at some point on some show Rose is going to get into. Um, but I just have little NFC tags that use shortcut automations that um, will be like, all right, 30 minute timer. And then, okay, time to empty the dryer, empty the dishes, stuff like that. And Homebridge, wow, what a beast. (laughs) But (laughs) luckily, um, with everybody staying at home a lot of the time, I think the Homebridge ecosystem has really started expanding and people are using push cuts more. And uh, we're kind of in this like, overall dark place in the world but we're all getting into home automation since we're here all the darn time Mm -hmm. yeah i have also been diving into this a lot um and i i don't have a roomba i have a yuffie uh robot vacuum her name's buttercup from the princess bride um but (laughs) um she but uh unfortunately to get your yuffie into homebridge um, the person who who wrote the plugin, um, ha- you need to get the the device ID and something else. Um, and unfortunately, to do this, I had to set up an Android emulator um, and do <laughs> uh, like network tracing and stuff like that. I actually have an Android phone, and so to start with, I was like, surely it's going to be easier to use this. And I started looking at everything, and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to follow like the vague. They weren't really instructions. It was more like sort of signposts and you just have to keep going and there's a fork in the road and there's no sign and you're like okay left or right i'm just gonna go with left and figure out if i'm wrong i'll go back and go right so that was an interesting experiment uh not one i can necessarily 100 percent recommend the instructions there could use some improvement maybe i should write them up and do a, a github pull request on that to uh help some other people in the future <laughs> i just love that rose set up an android emulator to make her robot back work right? i just It's so precious. Okay, so I I set it up so that when the last person leaves home, which is pretty much always going to be me, I did add my parents to to my home kit setup so that when they visit, it's also aware of them existing. Um, uh, And so if if I leave them uh, when, uh, you know, like if they're here and I have to run out and grab something, then, you know, it doesn't turn off all the lights and start the robot vacuuming. Um, So I've got it when the last person leaves, it vacuums. And then I went out twice in one day and my robot vacuumed again. And I was like, oh... This this is not smart. It should only really vacuum once in a day when I mm-hmm. when I go out. And so I ended up setting up um there's a plugin called Homebridge Dummy, um, where you can create dummy plugs. And I now have a room in my home called Logic, which contains, among other things, an eight-hour counter for my lava lamp. So when my lava lamp turns on, it turns on the eight-hour counter. Um, and then at the end of the AR counter, it will automatically turn my lava lamp off if my lava lamp is still on. If my lava lamp, however, turns off, then it will um, automatically uh, do, uh, it will automatically turn off the timer. And then, uh, and there's some other stuff in there, but one of the, the switches, it's a fake switch. It says, uh, robot vacuum has cleaned. Um, so I, I can say, hey, if it hasn't cleaned today, then, you know, go ahead. And uh, clean, please. Yeah, so just for the it. nature of completion, I've got to tell you the name of my robot vac because, you know, Buttercup is pretty good. But mine is Mo. I named him after that little robot in Wally. You know, the little robot that follows Wally and cleans everything. Oh, that's so good. 
My mine is named uh, Romper after Mister Romper in an Archer episode. He's an evil clown. I truly don't remember why we named him that. I think it was just we had purchased a Roomba and then we're watching an episode of Archer and we're like that's a funny name. It shall romp around uh, around the house cleaning. Which I'm pretty sure my successful. dog thinks of my robot vac as an evil clown. So that would work too. <laughs> So Alex Cox, you start the show telling us how you're not an automator and you've created shortcuts to pick your clothing for you and you're running Homebridge <laughs> on your home vac. So I Trying think you're a liar. I think it's you're a... a liar. But the um uh, but I, I I do understand what you say about like trying to learn this stuff. Are there any areas of automation that you're looking to go deeper on that you just haven't got to yet? And and what you know, what are you thinking about in the future as an automator? absolutely keyboard maestro and a better touch tool because I am primarily a trackpad person. I always have been because until this year, I think uh, this, this year I got an iMac pro for work and it's been amazing, but I, I literally haven't used a desktop as my main computer since my first iMac when I was 11. So I, I I mean, there's so much to do with better touch tool and um, with keyboard maestro, the I forget who started the stream deck trend, but uh, wow, the stream deck is so cool. And I still don't really know what to do with it, but I know I want to do a lot of things with it. But I'm also cautious about going down these rabbit holes because you know, I don't know when this is coming out, but the Apple Silicon event is, or well, there is some Apple event next week. And I have a feeling that I might be purchasing a personal computer uh, after that. And yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. Like when I, I really hope that shortcuts is coming to the Mac, I bet it's not. I, I mean, I'm sure it's not going to be for like another, another year or so, but since I'm at a point in my life now where I, I sure I might be able to spend like a, a weekend if I can rebuilding and, and changing things up. I just have less time to uh, automate, to change the automations I have that are somewhat essential to my workflow. So I've kind of been cautious the same way I was cautious about using uh, workflow before it became shortcuts. And honestly, that, that paid off. Um, like, Losing all the if the <laughs> actions was a huge bummer for a lot of people. And I was like, oh, thank God I don't have any um, <laughs> with that integrated into workflow. But now I think shortcuts is in a place where unless you're doing something really wild or you're on, you're on the beta, uh, which I often am and I often break things. <laughs> Otherwise, it's really stable and reliable. And I, I mean, I know that that uh, better touch tool has been around forever. It's it, it's just, again, like what form factors are going to be new? Like, am I going to be the person who when we travel again, I'll want to bring a stream deck? I, I don't know. I, I, again, my iPhone is really my main computer and I sort of build everything I do around like, what can I have access to on my iPhone? Because that's going to be what I need to use in the real world. Does, does that sort of make, make sense? Yeah, it does. And, and I think 
if you since you're already fluent in shortcuts, I think you're going to find Keyboard Maestro very easy. It's a, I think Keyboard Maestro is a little nerdier, but it's also a little more powerful too because you can like run Apple scripts to virtually do anything on your Mac that that you're going to go crazy once you get into Keyboard Maestro. You're going to have a bunch of you know you're going to have a bunch of scripts. Just that'll be great. That's what I actually uh, found with with these, uh, I don't want to call them legacy Mac apps because that makes it sound as if they're not still being actively developed. Um, but because they've been around so long, there's so much documentation. There's there's so many scripts out there that uh, e- even ha- have like instructions on how to modify them. And that that is really exciting because when I open up... <laughs> When I open up these apps, I'm like, oh God, oh no, oh no. Um, like the first time I opened Devon Think, um, which is another one of those apps that I really, really love. And it's kind of becoming my main archival tool. But yeah. it, I don't like that I have to have it running in the background on, on my at, iMac to make sure that it's always up to date on my phone. It, it's worked great so far, but... You know, uh, you never know what Apple will do in the next version of Mac OS. Yeah. Yeah, but that's and that's where automation comes in. You could run a script to like just open it up at 2 a.m. every day. And that's what I do, actually. Yep. You know? Yeah, I stole that from you. Yeah. And but it, it is. Um, but I mean, you are so far down the road on automation. I just can't wait to hear what you make next. And um, we're going to have to have you on again in the future. I mean, you've got your wardrobe handled you got your watching system handled <laughs> you're, you're an automator alex oh th- thank you i i really look forward to seeing what rose you do with your apartment and, and david what you end up <laughs> doing to your home wh- what your family will allow and I, I i'm just excited for this world of I'll, I'll use the silly phrase again, a- ambient computing, or that great idea that, that you brought up, uh, contextual computing and cognitive computing. Yeah, I think that really is something that is a natural for automators. I can tell you, like, for example, the way I do that with with um, Keyboard Maestro is I just have I have three phases of my life. There's Max Sparky, personal, and legal. And if I hold down Control-Option-Command and I hit L, M, or P, it just gives me a menu of all the most common things I do in that area of my life. One of them may be check legal email. You know, I, I hit one button and it's a conflict palette. It just takes me to my legal email inbox. I don't see the Max Sparky inbox. So, you know, I go straight to the one mm-hmm. that I need to see. And the inspiration for that really was shortcuts because shortcuts, I had created all these choose from menu shortcuts because of the limitations of shortcuts but it makes sense on the Mac too. And and th- this is fun stuff to to dig into because it allows you to go, and, and Luke had talked about this on that le- recent Mac Power episode, the two-second rule, you know, from the thought, the moment you have the thought, I want to do something to the time you're doing something on a computer should be two seconds. It yes. shouldn't be, mm-hmm. if it's longer, there's a chance you're going to get distracted. Anytime you open a web browser or an email app or any of these, there's a good chance something is going to grab your attention and you're not going to do the thing you meant to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, either way, Alex, where can people find you? You can find all of my terribleness at um, twitter.com slash Alex Cox, spelled C-O-X, not, not the other way, and or, or alexcox.me or Alex 
cox.gay. Um, I have many <laughs> URL, uh, but if you want to check out my two main projects right now, uh, you can visit dubyfriday.com. And that is my show with Merlin Mann, where each week we give each other a challenge to try out something new that could be watch a new TV show or try out a, a new automation or this week survive the 2020 presidential election. Um, and then the other show I have is with my spouse. It's called uh, two headed girl and you can find it at two headed And yes, that is a neutral milk hotel reference. And it is kind of a personal journal type of show where we talk about our feelings surrounding gender and mental illness and how our experiences and our attitudes towards it have changed throughout our lives as being, you know, queer teenagers to queer 20 year olds to queer 30 year olds. So uh, it's, it's very, it's more like documentary weird, not quite a podcast that, um, most I think most of the people in our circle uh, listen to so I would ask that you try to listen to it and if you don't like it there might be somebody in your life who would I I can tell you I didn't realize you were making that show until we started prepping and then last week I found myself evacuated in with a lot of free time (laughs) so I went and listened and I, I really enjoyed that show because it gave me perspective and knowledge I didn't have, you know, and I, I would say that anybody could benefit from listening to that show. I think you guys do a great job with it. So I, Thanks. I give that one a gold star and a recommendation too. All right. Uh, we are the automators. You can find us at automators.fm. You can find the forums at talk.automators.fm. You can find the, um, the show over in relay.fm slash automators. Thanks to our sponsors, smile, express VPN and Microsoft. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye.